2, 2 Peter chapter 2, actually go to 1 Peter chapter 1, or 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll pick it up in verse 20 and go from there. 2 Peter chapter 1, did I say verse 20? We're going to go to verse 19. Peter says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they, with feigned words, faked words, make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ash, into ashes, concerning them with an, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example to those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, not only Lot, just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds." The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Let's pause there in our reading. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us this evening, would speak through me and illuminate the word of God in people's hearts and help us to recognize the importance of your word and the importance of knowing your word so that we're not easily deceived and easily led astray. Dear Lord, I just ask you to work and move in our midst. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Paul says that the prophecy came in old times not by the will of man. It wasn't something people just made up. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, as they were carried along by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was speaking to them and through them, and they were writing it down. Some of them wrote down things that they honestly did not understand. David writes about crucifixion when crucifixion had not started yet. Psalm 22, he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The exact words that Christ uttered on the cross. He wrote in Psalm 22 that none of his bones would be broken. In crucifixion, in order to hasten death, they always break the man's legs. 
They nail them up there, and after they've played with them and watched them suffer for a few hours, then they come along and smash their shins so that they can't support themselves anymore, and they suffocate. And, and, and David said, not a bone of his body will be broken. Wrote that his, bo- his bones would be torn out of joint, but none of them would be broken. He wrote about the people who would be standing there looking at him. Looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. We can give you other, many other examples in the Old Testament where people wrote about things that came true later and they, they really didn't understand the full import of what they were writing. But the Holy Spirit was telling them to write it for our benefit. But, he says, there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Ahab's getting ready to go to battle against, uh, where did he go to battle? Ramoth Gilead? I don't remember now. Anyhow, he's getting ready to go to battle, and, uh, and he calls for his prophets, and he says, okay, y'all inquire of the Lord it's whether or not I should go up to battle. And the 400 prophets came back and said, oh, yeah, God's going to give you a great victory. You go get them. And King Jehoshaphat, who's there and has agreed to go into battle with him, says, wait, <clears throat> Is there somebody who really speaks for God? Ahab said, well, yeah, but he never says anything good about me. <laughs> and so Jehoshaphat well, says, if you don't mind, I'd like to hear from him. And this guy comes in, and he says to King Ahab, oh, yeah, go for it, man. going to be a great day for you. And he says it in such a tone that Ahab knows he's being sarcastic. And he says, wait, tell me the truth. And the prophet says, all right, the Lord said he saw the soldiers in your army scattered about the hills like sheep having no shepherd. Their leadership was gone. And Ahab looked at Jehoshaphat and said, see what I told you? He never says anything good about me. So they went into battle, and uh, I think Brother uh, Greg dealt with this last Sunday morning in his message that, uh, that Jehoshaphat was asked to dress in royal garments and uh, Ahab wore camouflage, dressed as an ordinary soldier, but God protected Jehoshaphat and killed Ahab. Okay? False prophets, even among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Ordinarily, I give folks the benefit of the doubt, thinking that they will know and recognize false teachers when they hear them and see them. But I've discovered that's not always true. Okay? I'm not here to be ugly. I'm not here to express jealousy about people who have large ministries, larger ministries than this. I don't care anything about that. What I care about is the truth of the Word of God. Okay? And Joel Osteen is a brilliant speaker, would have made a great politician, but he is not a preacher of the gospel. Bottom line, Joyce Meyer says a lot of really sweet things and perhaps has even helped a lot of ladies, but she teaches false doctrine. You cannot trust what she says about the Bible. Okay? Mention her because she's local. Okay? I could go on. Oral Roberts. Benny Hinn. What's his face? Uh, hang on, I'll think of it in a minute. 
Even John Hagee, and I, I occasionally enjoy some of the things John Hagee has to say, especially about Israel. He is a friend of Israel. But he's messed up about some things in the Bible. I wouldn't make him a regular part of my spiritual diet. You say, Brother Casey, well, then who should we listen to? Well, for the most part, you can trust Chuck Swindoll. You can trust any of the old messages by J. Vernon McGee. He teaches through the Bible. Every five years, goes through the whole Bible. Okay? You say, but he's been dead 20 years. I know, but they got him on tape. Okay? So you can still hear him. Okay? Yes, sir. Adrian Rogers, yes, been dead three or four years now, and uh, he is uh, excellent. David Jeremiah, uh, I, yeah, David Jeremiah is straight on the scriptures. He uses a lot of various translations that I would not use uh, because they're translated from inaccurate manuscripts, and they left a bunch of stuff out. Uh, but uh, And the fact that the new translations are all driven by a single motive. Okay. You know why people retranslate the Bible these days? Money. Okay. Money. That's the reason. You can't copyright the King James, although it is copyrighted. Okay. I saw it last night. Uh, one of the uh, Bible programs I was looking at has it listed as still copyrighted in the United Kingdom under the King's Copyright. <laughs> I don't know how long that lasts, but it's very impressive on the bottom of a page. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Uh, but, uh, but anyhow, that's, I, and occasionally I will consult other translations just to see what they have to say. But if I ever start preaching from one of them, you'll find a new church. Or better yet, find a new pastor. Okay? Because this is your church. There were false, doctor, false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Kenneth Copeland is what's his face. I told you I'd think of it. Who privately shall bring in damnable heresies. What is heresy? You know what the Greek word is here for heresy? Heresy. I mean, it's just transliterated. What does it mean? It means false doctrine. What makes them damnable? They condemn men's souls to hell if they believe it. That's what it is. Okay? If you can convince a man that he is saved by the baptismal waters rather than by the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us from all sin, you have condemned him to hell. That's a damnable heresy. I could go on and on and on. Norman Vincent Peale, the power of positive thinking. Do I believe in the power of positive thinking? Uh, yeah, because it counteracts the power of negative thinking. And you can get a charge out of it. You put them both together. Positives and negatives attract. But you don't get saved with Norman Vincent Peale's philosophies. And his version of the gospel. Even denying the Lord that bought them. You say, Brother Casey, do they do that? They eventually will. When it gets dangerous to be a Christian, 
They'll be bailing, jumping out of the boat. And they bring upon themselves swift destruction. The problem is found in verse 2. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Because of guys like Joel Osteen, men who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and preach the word of God do not have churches of 25, 30,000 people filling a huge stadium. Huge, huge convention center two and three times on, a, on Sunday. No. And in fact, a man stands up for the word of God and somebody's going to get offended. Somebody's going to get mad at him. Okay? It will come to the point where when I stand up and say that homosexuality is a sin, people will take offense. And they'll say, that's hate speech. No, that's love speech. That's love speech. I have a friend whose son is a homosexual. Practices homosexual lifestyle. At one time, he loved God. He served God. You know, and, and, and my friend said, he just, when he was 19, 20 years old, something like that, he just suddenly said, hey, God made me this way, and I'm going to live the way God made me. Well, duh, God made me a murderer. I mean, I was born a murderer. I was born a thief. I was born a sinner. And all the sins you can think of, I was capable of. And he created me smart enough that I could pull off a bunch of them. But just because I was made a sinner doesn't mean I need to stay one. God created me an adulterer. You say, really? I, yeah, when I was born, I was born as an adulterer. I've never committed adultery. Just because I was born that way doesn't mean I have to practice it. And that's my problem with homosexuals they, and, and people who, who live together outside of marriage. The Scripture is quite clear. Flee fornication. Now, I, I mean, how much clear, more clear does the Scripture have to get? Don't do it. God disapproves, and they bring upon themselves swift destruction. And they cause the way of truth to be evil spoken of. And then notice why they do it. Through covetousness. You know what covetousness is? It's what somebody else has. Okay? I mean, if you didn't preach the gospel, you ought to have gold faucets in your bathroom like Jimmy Baker had. And an air-conditioned doghouse. Okay? Man, I wish I'd known about that 30 years ago because I spent a lot of time in the doghouse 30 years ago. <laughs> Woo! Through covetousness shall they with feigned words... Now, feigned means fake, okay? If you're going to faint, not F-A-I-N-T, but F-E-I-N-T, it's like uh, basketball, you know? The guy acts like he's going this way, and as soon as the, the defender shifts that way, he cuts back to the right and goes around him, okay? 
You can do that with words. You can say things that make people think that you're on the right track and you're going to tell them the truth. And then, just when they get into it, you slide in the false doctrine. And you do it smoothly. For example, did you know the Bible says you can have anything you want? Woohoo! Okay? I can give you chapter and verse. Psalm 34, 37, 4. 37, 4, 34, 7. Somewhere in there. The last part of the verse says, God will give you the desires of your heart. Okay? True statement. Quote from the Word of God. He will give you the desires of your heart. What does your little heart desire? Whoa. Nice car. Nice new car. You know, a nice new car that runs on water. <laughs> and a home in the country where you can pump your own water and not have to pay the city for it. Oh. But that's like the verse that says there is no God. And there's two verses that say there is no God. You've got to put it in context. You've got to read the whole verse. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. He doesn't say, you just name what you want and claim it. Name it and claim it and God will give it to you. That's false doctrine. God says, you focus on me and you delight in me. And I'll even give you the things that you ought to desire. And then when you begin to desire them, I'll give you the things. Matthew 6.33 Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All what things? Well, everything that's a thing. You know about things. Things are things you can handle, things you can touch, things you can consume. Those are things. Okay, Some of them are junk and some of them are stuff. Junk's the stuff you give away and stuff's the junk you keep. But all these things will be added unto you. Scripture's quite clear. But that doesn't mean you can name it and claim it. That's false doctrine. With feigned words, they make merchandise of you. What? Creflo Dollar? He wouldn't make merchandise of us, would he? Yeah, because if you send him $100, God's going to bless you abundantly. That's what he said. Well, I remember in the olden days when I was a child, if you sent them money, they would send you a hanky. A hanky. And you could put it on yourself wherever you were hurting, and the pain would go away. Okay? Now, I don't know if it's true or not, because my parents never would let me get one. <laughs> okay? If I had a sore throat, my mom didn't wrap, a, didn't wrap a glorified handkerchief around my neck. She sprayed it with methylate that burned like crazy. Iodine and alcohol mixed together. Oh, my goodness, you'd think your whole throat was on fire. But the next morning, the infection would be gone. Through covetousness, shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you? whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, 
and their damnation slumbereth not. You say, what's that mean, Brother Casey? Well, James summed it up in James chapter 4, the end of chapter 4, when he said, or maybe it's the beginning of chapter 5, where he said, what is your life? It's but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. All those people who thought they were enjoying all the benefits of God's blessing here on the earth when actually they were ripping people off are dead. Not all, but the ones that aren't will soon be dead. Life is short. And they all have to face God. He says their damnation slumbereth not. Their judgment slumbereth not. Why is that? Because the judge never sleeps. The judge never sleeps. He's the executioner. And then he begins giving examples. The angels who rebelled against God and followed Satan. Satan said, I want to be like the Most High God. I want to set my throne above the throne of heaven. Seven times he says, I will. I will do this and I will do that and I will do this and I will do that. And the angels who followed him, one third of the angels in heaven, were, were swayed by him. What happened to them? God cast them down into hell, delivered some, some of them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. You say, when's their judgment? Oh, in the millennial kingdom, when the lake of fire is revealed and they're cast into the lake of fire, into outer darkness, into the bottomless pit. Second example is look how it was before the flood when everybody did what they wanted to do. Nobody wanted to serve God anymore. Enoch's family, through the line of Seth, were righteous people. Enoch not just preached incredible messages about the second coming of Christ, but he also preached against sin, and he walked with God. And God took him to heaven without him having to die. Okay? Don't know who his doctor was, but he didn't pay that bill. But he, his son, Methuselah, lived 969 years. And his mother named him, when I die, judgment's coming. And when he died... The flood started. 600 years before that, Methuselah's grandson was born. His name was Noah. And 120 years before Methuselah died, God told Noah, build an ark. It's going to rain, and it had never rained. Noah didn't have a clue what God was talking about when he said it's going to rain. It had never rained on the face of the earth. There was a dew came up from the ground every night, watered the ground. Sun came up, dried all up. Pretty cool. Didn't have to water your garden. Didn't have to worry about floods. I mean, excuse me, about drought. Didn't have to worry about floods. I mean, everything, smooth and easy. And people began to neglect God. Then they began to ignore God. And then they rebelled against God. The thoughts and intents of their heart were only evil continuously okay I don't know if you've been watching the news lately I haven't 
But I can tell you what they're talking about. They're talking about people whose thoughts and intents of their hearts are only evil continually. I heard the other night that somebody, it's a, two guys walked into a city park and shot 13 people. What's with that? And God spared not the old world, but he saved Noah, the eighth person, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Is there any part of our world that's godly anymore? It's in little bitty places, localized areas. And the next example, he took the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, whose only crime was that of being inhospitable. What? Yeah, I heard a preacher say that the other day on the radio. And I thought, inhospitable? If anybody was inhospitable, it was Lot, because he wouldn't give his two visitors, the two angels, to the men of the city who wanted to take them and abuse them. No, that's not why God did it. Not because they were inhospitable. Because God was sick of them. Okay? Just like God gets sick of our sin. We like to look at other people's sin and say, Whoa, yeah, God really down on them. Okay? Do you know what God hates? As bad as he hates homosexuality. Hmm? Proverbs chapter 6. He that soweth discord among the brethren. A an abomination to God. Wow. You don't find much of that going on in the homosexual community. If you're going to find it, you're going to find it in the church. An abomination to God. God turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes and condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto them that after should live ungodly. Fortunately, a lot of folks today haven't picked up on the example. And he delivered just Lot, righteous Lot. You say, how could Lot be righteous living in that kind of a city? Well, it wasn't easy, I can tell you that. Because the scripture said he vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Just living among them and hearing the way they talked and the things they talked about made it harder and harder and harder for him to stay close to God, to have a close relationship with God. Now listen to me. Listen closely. God's going to place you in places where people are going to talk filthy, where people are going to act ungodly, where they're going to brag about unrighteousness, where they're going to be proud of their iniquity, and where they're going to take God's name in vain. And you can do like Lot did and just keep quiet about it. Or you can take a stand for the Christ who died for you. 
You say, well, if I do that, they're going to, you know, no telling what will happen. I may get fired. Let me suggest that you do what's right and let God be responsible for the consequences. Okay? Because if you give yourself to God and you live for God and you serve God, He'll take good care of you. He always takes good care of His property. Once you've given yourself to Him, He's responsible. Jesus already said, you're in the palm of His hand and nobody can get you out of there. And His Father is greater than all and nobody can get you out of His Father's hand. So you can... Live for God and take a stand and you don't have to be rambunctious about it. You don't have to be unkind about it. You can just say, boy, that's really offensive to me. And it probably it may not bother you at all, but the, the, the Christ you're talking about and the Jesus whose name you're taking in vain put himself on the cross of Calvary and paid for my sin and for your sin. And you treat him like dirt. You talk about him like he was a, a, some kind of hoodlum. Why would you do that? One of my favorite memories in college is riding with a Chattanooga police officer and a guy in, that we'd picked up, taken to jail, sitting in the back seat. And I mean, he's taking God's name in vain, every other word. And finally, the police officer just pulled over to the curb and stopped and bowed his head. And the guy in the back got real quiet, and he said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I keep hearing God's name from back there, and I thought you were praying. I was just going to stop and pray with you. The guy in the back was half drunk at least, if not completely drunk. But he realized this is not the place for that. And he didn't say anything else all the way to the jail. And I thought. You know, that's a good way to deal with folks. Somebody starts taking God's name in vain, you bow your head. And when they ask what you're doing, say, oh, I thought you were praying. You were using God's name in Jesus' name over and over again. I was just going to pray with you. Well, God didn't spare the angels. He didn't spare the old world. He didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah. But he did deliver Lot, uh, Lot, and he did deliver Noah. And verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the ungodly out of temptation and to to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Somebody commits a horrible crime and nobody gets arrested for it and nobody gets convicted of it and nobody goes to jail for it and somebody says, well, he got away with it. No, he didn't. Or no, she didn't. God just didn't bring down the judgment yet. Someday they're going to stand before the judge of all the earth. That's higher than the Supreme Court of the United States. And when he brings the hammer down, the angel is going to pick them up in their lost, hopeless condition and literally hurl them into the lake of fire. And they're going to be there forever and ever and ever and ever. And they will remember every gospel message they ever saw, they ever heard. Excuse me. They'll remember every gospel message they ever heard. They'll remember every billboard they ever saw that said Jesus saves and it 
twinged their heart a little, but they, didn't, they ignored it and kept going. They didn't go to find out what that might mean. Ignored every ball game they ever saw where some guy's holding up this big plaque, this big uh, poster that says John 3.16. They ignored all that. They'll remember every time the Holy Spirit tried to give them an opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond to the love of God. And they'll remember it forever and ever and ever and ever. And somewhere along the line, there's got to be a believer who will stand up for the Word of God and for the God of the Word and say, that's enough. False prophets are doing pretty well. You say, what about the preachers who aren't false prophets, the ones who are preaching the gospel? Oh, we are sacking it away in heaven. <laughs> We're laying up treasure. Just like you are. And just like you can. Long-term investments at 10,000% return. Whoa! God is so good. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for your word. And the Lord, make it real to us. Cause us to realize that it is a living book that represents a living Savior taught to us by a living Holy Spirit. And help us to learn to love it. To delve into it and dive into it. and Make it a part of our lives. Dismiss us with your love. Bring us back safely on Wednesday night. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.